Hello and welcome to Uno Dos Trace Three Night Bender. I am Hauser, and joining with me as always is the booze man Boozos. Hola. And we're gonna be talking all things Orlando, focusing on sports. On the docket tonight, we're gonna discuss UCF football, UCF basketball, UCF soccer. Uh, Orlando Magic, as we always discuss, and also we're going to be talking about the Orlando Dreamers a little bit. Um, we also want to give a shout out to our UCF Twitter Mafia Hero of the Week, and we have an interview for our third night is going to be former quarterback for UCF, Stephen Moffitt, so we're excited about that as well. Um, but before we start, just like always, we're going to get into our beer selection, and I am going to let the booze man go ahead and introduce what we're going to be drinking tonight. I feel like you're like, like you're antagonizing everyone to think I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> that but is your name. That is it is my name. So we're going with a uh, local brew. Uh, last time we went Jacksonville, we're going to stay in the Orlando area. This time we got some uh, wonderful Crooked Can Brewing is the beer selection. And the uh, choice of the beer is Cloud Chaser, which is a Hefeweizen German-style beer. It's quite delicious. Uh, less than 5.5% alcohol. Um, got kind of like a banana flavor to it. That's what a lot of Hefeweizens are made with is uh, some fruit thrown in there. It's very, very light on the palate. It's tasty. Highly recommended if you've never had I, it before. I'm digging the drawing on the front of this thing. With oh, the, yeah. The, the, I don't know the name of the mascot, but he's on all of them. He's pretty cool. He's like one of those like 1890 circus, you know. Yeah, he's riding the, the, the old riding, bicycle yeah, with, the, with a, the, huge, the big wheel. The huge front wheel bicycle. So, pretty <laughs> right. sweet graphics. Cheers. Very cool. Cheers. All right. First up, you know, as we always talk about, we like to talk about UCF football. We usually do a recap of last week. So uh, our opponent last week was a team known as By. How did we do against them, Booze? Oh, I feel like we struggled a little bit in the second and third quarter, but had a decent comeback against By. Coming back to take the victory against By, as we <laughs> like to do every week, and unfortunately, it did not show in the standings. By was not enough for us to move into the top 25. Oh, that's very unfortunate. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, com usual. coming off that uh, bad loss to Tulsa, you know, we needed a week to regroup, and, and hopefully UCF had time to do that. We've got an opponent this week out of New Orleans where you are playing Tulane in Tulane. Um, that's going to be a, a pretty good matchup there. Should be a great matchup. Three-time Southeastern Conference champion Tulane. <laughs> You know, that's a powerhouse right there. The SEC um, champs. Former SEC champs. Haven't won the SEC since, I believe, like the 40s was the last time they won the SEC. They haven't been in the SEC, just for your information, if you're listening, for like 60 years. So there's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, former SEC champion, Tulane Green Wave. Uh, we got some decent players on their squad, um, which we just were talking a little bit about their quarterback, who... I did not know as a LSU transfer, but he's been playing for Tulane the last two years. Uh, redshirted at LSU, transferred after a sophomore year. Um, has played the last two. Uh, a bit of an athletic quarterback, which is something we have not seen really on the opposing team since the, you know you had King that was out for Houston. Right. He probably would have been the closest thing. Um, and you know Pickett was a mobile guy for Pitt. You know he was able to move around. Yeah. And uh, but I, I would even argue you know after um, the quarterback. Um, got hurt for oh god I'm like losing track of the team I'm trying to think of for well, uh, for uh, oh god Tulsa Tulsa yeah, yeah the backup quarterback came in he was pretty mobile too right so you know we've had spurts of athletic quarterbacks that were supposed to be on our schedule or actually played a little bit but you know he's the first actual running threat he's their leading rusher um, he has over <clears throat> uh, 
let's see right here statistically he's got over a thousand yards passing uh he's got 13 touchdowns 10 picks so you know he is prone to throw interceptions he can make some mistakes but he can run the football over 550 yards rushing 12 touchdowns so he's probably their most explosive playmaker on the team and i'm, I'm, I'm saying probably because i haven't actually watched them too much so i right. can't attest with eyes and say yeah i've scouted Tulane. i know what i'm watching because honestly i haven't um uh, they got a decent senior running back who I do remember from last year because last year he ran for over a thousand yards in Darius Bradwell, uh, who came back. Obviously not their leading rusher this year. He hasn't been as explosive on the scoreboard, but catches the ball at the backfield. He's also their um, uh, second highest when it comes to total scrimmage yards. And then you've got a pretty good senior rece- receiver in uh, Darnell Mooney. So you know, that guy's catch. He's actually like really their only receiving threat. Um, he's the only one that's got anything over two hundred yards receiving and five touchdowns. So. Uh, when it comes to what they're going to do on offense, it's kind of very centralized on the quarterback. Yeah. He's going to be making most, most of their plays. So they played uh, Temple last week, I believe. I know I, I was watching the game because I think our our hopes for a conference championship still you know, hangs in the balance there. And I was hoping that, that Temple would get the win. And I think they, they got a close one there. So I watched a little bit of that game. What I realized about uh, Tulane is that if they get out in open space, they are going to pick up a lot of yards. Their quarterback is you know, an insane athlete. If he, if he gets out in open space, he's going to make people miss tackles. He's going to get a bunch of yards. They have good running backs. Um, they, they run pretty fast. They go, they go, you know, quick on the whistle like we do. Um, the thing that, that, uh, has been interesting about Tulane is they were kind of like the garbage of our league a few years ago, the last Mm -hmm. two years, they've been making a name for themselves. Um, you know, last year they started to pick it up a little bit and this year for sure, they've had a stellar year and we're really in the running for being conference championships until they, uh, they dropped a a few. So, yeah, um, I mean, this is the first winning season they've had for themselves in the last six years. Um, they hadn't won more than five games until last year where, you know, they got the, they got the cure ball win, which put them over 500, which is awesome for them. And, uh, prior to that, I mean, they were, they were again, a seven and six football team back in 2013, didn't have a winning season before that and, and since 2002. So at that point, you're going back, you know, 11 years, you know, between winning seasons for this program. And then uh, they had a phenomenal team that um, had some NFL talent back in 98 uh, that was led by Tommy Bowden before he left. I believe after that, Tommy Bowden ended up at Clemson, if I recall correctly. I'm, I'm not going to go uh, link hunting to see if that's true, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's where he went afterwards. Um, and they got Chris Skelfa, who is, uh, the, was one of their head coaches for a very long time. But unfortunately, they've gone through a lot of different coaching changes in the last few years. Willie Fritz, who they've had now for their third year, is a very good coach. He's been coaching for a long time. He knows his stuff. So uh, I mean, starved fans that deserve good football because, you know, New Orleans has got the Saints, obviously, and it'd be nice for them to have a really strong college football presence because, right, you know, as, as their stats show, f- four total winning seasons in the last 21 years is... It's like being a Jaguar fan. It's very difficult. <laughs> well, I, I can attest. You can't talk about Tulane without talking about New Orleans. That's and, correct. Uh, I know that a lot of UCF fans, myself included, had this date circled from uh, from when the season started because we knew we wanted to go on some road games this year. Mm-hmm. And Tulane being in New Orleans was one of those big games that we wanted to attend. So I will be heading out actually at 7 in the morning tomorrow to catch a plane to head out to uh, New Orleans. I've been there once before. 
the city is amazing uh, as far as the music that's being played, the atmosphere. It's a very different feel than a lot of places. It reminds me, if, if you've been to Key West, it reminds me of kind of like a Key West on steroids. With on the steroids. With the history that's there and the amount of bars and drinking um, is just incredible. Um, we did do the uh, the uh, crawl on Bourbon Street, and uh, you know that's it's everything that it's built to be. All of the uh, you know specialty drinks that you see that people have the uh, the grenade and the the um, God what are the other ones? Anyway, it, the thing you need to look out for being having gone to New Orleans before, the biggest thing there is it is scam city people are trying to scam you there you need to you know have your wallet in your front pocket know that no one's really doing anything out of the kindness of their heart there everybody's <laughs> trying to get a buck um pay attention to the uh the homeless people there they're going to try and, and bet you and, and trick you into things that will and then tell you that you owe them money so little things like that you need to be wary of but enjoy the city enjoy the music um make sure that you you try out the gumbo it is it is fabulous that's what all i ate the whole time i was there last time i feel like eating gumbo in new orleans is like going to new york and having pizza yeah it just goes hand in hand it is i mean there's so much there's red beans and rice there's jambalaya there's etouffee there's the cafe du monde where you get the uh, little powdered donuts i i'm not a fan of, of powdered donuts but the line is what around is the block wrong with you <laughs> are you serious yeah man i'm more of a I'm more of a jambalaya that's guy. I'm freaking delicious. Not a sweets guy. Oh man! So it, that's that's going to be a good time, and having a few days to spend there, um, aside from the game, is is going to be really cool. So I'm looking forward to doing that tomorrow. Yeah, unfortunately, I won't be making the trek. I just got back from a trip to New York, um, so I'm going to take the weekend to just kind of have a watch party here. Uh, I'm thinking about going over to Oviedo Brewing with my wife. I've heard good things about the watch parties over there. I know there's going to be quite a bit of the UCF Twitter mafia out over there to link up with and have a good time. So I might go check that out. Otherwise, kind of just bounce around. But I'm going to be sticking to the Orlando side for the game. So this will not be in a way one that I go running out to, uh, unfortunately, you know, go check out that scene. But eventually, I mean, we'll probably end up playing Tulane in what, like, you know, two to three years. It's been a couple of years since we played them, yeah. if I recall. So I'll make it a point to try to get out there eventually. But it's going to kind of stay here for me. I don't know. It's, it wasn't a game that I had personally circled. You know, yeah. if I were to go there, um, I think the best way that I view Tulane football, unfortunately, at this point, I hope it's changed, you know, tomorrow night and you know or not tomorrow night but saturday night no um, yeah saturday day. saturday more 11 a.m yeah. actually it's not even shoot night it's well, 11 a.m yeah 12 11 a.m for new you here it's going to be 11 at the game so that's going to be a real early game oh yeah that's one of the i think it's going to be the earliest game that we've had in a long time so um well uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the cfp rankings and uh you know what's going on there and and kind of the g5 outlook and and what might happen um do you got do you have those pulled up at all? Anyway, I think uh, you know number one is still LSU, Ohio State number two. We got Clemson number three. Number four is Georgia in front of Alabama, which is interesting. Um, you know, I, they, I mean yes and no. I mean you got to remember, and th this bothered the heck out of me because Alabama didn't shift; they stayed number five mm -hmm. um, after losing to LSU. And what bothered me the most is the fact that they're still at number five because you got the double, uh, it, how do you want to call it? It's, it's the, the double hypocrisy of they won't move UC up, UCF up in the rankings last year because we lose our quarterback in USF. Right. Even though Matt goes out and has a five touchdown game for the ACC AAC championship, not ACC. We're not that high up, obviously, but the AAC championship game. 
and they're going to hit us and say, oh, we're not going to move them anywhere close to you know the top six strictly because you lost your quarterback. Right. Alabama loses arguably the best player in college football for the last three years, and they stay the same. Yeah. I don't care if you're Alabama. Tua made that football team for the last several years. There's no, there's no doubt about that. That kid is a monster, throwing for over 40 touchdowns every year he's a starting quarterback. That's sick nasty. Right. That kid gets he, he, an unfortunate injury. I'm really, really glad, actually, to see that he's going to be bouncing back pretty well from that injury, that it wasn't as severe. I mean, they compared it to the uh, the, uh, the Bo Jackson injury back in the 80s when Bo dislocated his hip, slid it back into place, fractured, you know, portion of his hip and he it was obviously career ending so he's going to have a full recovery uh best wishes to him i know night nation was out on the message boards and amongst twitter trying to give him their best wishes because you know ohana and everything like that so we do wish him the best because he is a great player and he's going to have a great career in the nfl one day um but just the fact that that had no bearing on the cfp rankings is kind of really really annoying to me it's definitely annoying and we've we've had to put up with that for the last few years really what we've learned is that the committee is going to say whatever they want to make the teams that they want to be there be there mm-hmm. they're going to make it fit whatever narrative they want so for us it's we lost our quarterback for alabama it's that they're you know they're top alabama. team yeah they're, they're alabama. alabama they don't need to worry about losing right. the quarterback so um but big big loss this weekend that shocked me actually i was shooketh when I was watching this game, and that's Minnesota going down to Iowa. I mean, I kind of, at first, if you didn't know this, Iowa actually has the most games against top 25 opponents this year, which is awesome. I mean, good for the, they've gone through a gauntlet. They played, I mean, they've got Minnesota, They you got Penn State, you've got uh, Iowa State when they were ranked. I think actually Iowa State's ranked again. So, I mean, they're back in the top 25 in the lower 20s. Um, so, Iowa's gone through a gauntlet, and then to beat a top eight team in Minnesota, very impressive for them. They're down at number ten now, which is unfortunate because I was I was rooting for the boat. I wanted that boat to be rowed all the way to the CFP uh, playoff, but unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but yeah, for Alabama to sit at five, and then you've got a nine and one Oregon team and a nine and one Utah team sitting right behind them, and you can't tell me that that Oregon team with Justin Herbert, which some people are not sold on, he's been touted as a first round quarterback for the last several years. Obviously, he's better than the backup quarterback for Alabama. And the fact that you have him sitting there at number six and you refuse to budge him any closer is a little alarming for me on the bias that you have for SEC teams. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the best thing that we can hope for, I think, is just chaos. For things to happen that put the teams in that not everybody expects to be in or too many teams from one conference, something that's going to shake the boat or shake, you know, shake it up a little bit so that the system changes. Mm -hmm. I think more people are starting to come around and realize that this four team, you know, invitational playoff is not is not cutting it for college football and does not decide a true national champion. Yeah, We need to see Georgia beat an LSU in in the title game. We need Ohio State to be upset by Penn State in the title game. We need to see Clemson possibly maybe lose. I mean, I don't mind Clemson staying up in there. They're the only good team in the ACC, so um, they're going to have to stand their ground and be pushed up to number one, stand defeated. But at that point, then you have the question of do you keep or do you push Alabama from five up into the top four, even though they wouldn't even play for their conference championship, which obviously that happened way back in like 2012, 2013 with the whole – that you know LSU beats them with the, with the field goal taken. Or, or oh, was that Auburn? Auburn? Auburn beats them with the field goal going back, and um, they still end up uh, 
playing for a national title, I believe, that year. Or it might have been the year after that. Uh, there was just one year where I think they played LSU twice in a year. And one time it yeah, was Yeah, that was, that was years ago. But in the playoff era, they did they did uh, lose to Auburn. and then that, Auburn, that a playoff era game? Okay. And then Auburn lost to, was it Georgia? Probably. The Georgia's, played in the two, Georgia's played for the East for the last, like, since Florida was good. That's, like a you know what? That's the year that we played Auburn. Isn't it? No, no. Alabama did not lose that game two years ago. That was much further back than that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Regardless, you know, we need chaos to happen, and we need a team like Oregon and Utah or like Oklahoma, who's sitting at number nine right now with really no shot of getting in, to be left out. And right. then if, if you have two one-loss teams coming out of the Pac-12, or at least one one loss team going to the Pac-12, and they still don't get into the title game with all that chaos happening, with with Oklahoma not moving up like that, if they continue to win, then we're going to have a really good dis- discussion coming out the end of uh, this college football year with people asking, is this right? Is this four-team enough? And there's plenty of people that advocate saying four-team is more than enough. I'm not one of them. I think it needs to be at least eight. Well, let's uh, let's pray for chaos, and hopefully that situation arises and more people wake up to uh what ucf has been preaching for the last few years now um let's uh let's switch gears here let's move it over to ucf basketball which has had a couple of games since the last time we've done a podcast they played miami the night that we had a podcast oh, and yeah. uh, that we, was a, what good uh predictions we had we're all homers saying yeah ucf's gonna win that game well i think i'm gonna be a homer no matter what but uh i think we all knew it would be close um it, it started to slip away from us there in the second half. Uh, I think Miami, just everything was going in for them, and we we were putting up a lot of bricks at the time. So it was hard to uh, to keep it close. Final score, I think, was seventy nine to seventy or something like that. We were we were in the realm, we were in the game the whole time. But God, I you know I'm not a fan of Miami fans. They're such arrogant pieces of. You know, I just we were sitting in front of those those three kids that were probably like in their early to mid twenties and. They just kept running their mouth the entire game, and I had to bite my tongue so hard as a 32-year-old to not turn around and be like, "Shut the fuck!" <laughs> I just, I, I just had to bite it, which is the right thing to do. I advocate for that more than not, you know. But still, I will agree with you wholeheartedly. Miami fans run their mouth a lot for a team that hasn't done anything in the last like 20 years. So there's that. Yeah. So we dropped that one. We uh, went up to uh, what was it, Northern Illinois, or yeah, we we played uh, no Illinois State. Illinois State. The Redbirds. Redbird. That was a great game. You know, we came came alive in the second half. Won a close one right there at the end. Final score was uh, 67-65. One score game. That's a great, especially when you're in, you're down at you know at different points in that game where I, I mean I look at the at the score several times on my phone and I was like shoot this is great we're gonna have two straight losses good way to start off the basketball season after I just bought season tickets <laughs> um, but no I mean Colin Smith had a great game. Colin Smith has been the guy he has been 18 points six rebounds he looked great uh, Diggs had a good game with 10 points you know you know locking down that center spot uh, Green Jr. Had, another, had a good game with 13 points um, a hand with 17. He was the guy who impressed me. He's the guy from uh, from Texas A&M, I think. Yeah, the transfer. He he hit a lot of big shots in the second half. He came up clutch for UCF. So um, I'm I'm just saying I'm, I'm praying for Matt Mil- Matt Milan. I, I want to see him turned on. You know, he's got to at some point. We know what he's capable of. Absolutely. He started all you know three games that we've played so far, but he hasn't put up the points. I think he's made one three pointer in all those games. 
Um, we, but we know what he can do. It just it hasn't come together yet, and I'm thinking it's going to at some point. Uh, Dawkins wouldn't be starting him if he wasn't, you know, the potential uh, threat that we think he is. Yeah, he's I mean, he's just he's not a shot creator. That's that, I think that's part of it is he's getting the ball a lot, and we're expecting him to kind of do something with it. And he's the kind of guy that I think needs to post up, get him in the corner. Work the ball around, get him open, give him the ball, let him shoot. I, and I think that's part of the problem is I, the the other teams are coached on him pretty well. He doesn't yeah. have a lot of open looks. He doesn't. He, I mean, he's got a lot of contested shots, and so I'm not like I'm not faulting him and saying, oh wow, he's got awful, and it's all because he sucks. It's not. They're playing good defense against him, so right. so he he may turn it on at some point. I'm still excited about him. I've, I've watched his highlight tape a few times. I know he can do it. So. I think hopefully he'll come on at one point during the season. Uh, the next game is, I believe, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Who are we playing on Saturday? For, on uh, Saturday, I got. I actually have to. Is it? Uh, anyway, so um, I'm taking a look for us. Just say so. Okay. We got Saturday. Uh, we're playing against Charleston. It's Charleston Saturday at 2 p.m. And then we got Penn. Ooh, Ivy League. That'll be good. <laughs> that's that's nice right there. So we got two good games coming up in the next week. Um, so be, and one's at home. You know, we got we got Charleston at home. So I'll obviously we'll definitely be there for that. I'll be there for that. I know you can't, unfortunately. Right. I'll be. In. I'll watch that. I'll watch that uh, that football game. And as soon as it's over, I'll be running over to watch Charleston a little bit. So UCF basketball off to a good start, two and one, looking good. Uh, the Magic, you know, the Magic kind of turned it around a little bit. I think they were three and seven before we talked about them last time. We made some predictions that were how they were going to do in their next three games and. They went ahead and won all three of their next three games that we were talking about, and then got smashed by the Raptors. They did get smashed last <laughs> but, night. But by f- hey, three and one in the last four is a nice little stretch for the Magic. They needed that little boost, so I'll give that to them. They've been putting up some more points. I think they were struggling putting up points at the beginning of the year, but now they're putting up points. I think they beat uh, the 76ers. Mm-hmm. They beat the Spurs, mm-hmm. and uh, was it the Wizards? The Wizards was the other one. Yeah, so I mean, they- 76ers is a great homecoming for two players because you've got Tobias Harris. The heralded, you know, yeah. Orlandoite who was going to bring us to the promised land and we were going to give him all this money and then we traded his behind because he wasn't really that good when we had him. But, of course, he goes to Detroit and plays great and he, and he gets a good deal in a couple different teams. But you know, he comes back to Orlando, does not play well, but then his, you know, flip, who we trade for, Markel Fultz, beats his former team, which mm-hmm. is awesome. He didn't have the best game in the world, but, you know, it's, I imagine he had to have been feeling pretty darn good. Um, to have beaten the 76ers after they basically said, yeah, we, we don't believe in you anymore and we're just going to trade you. Fultz, so. is, Fultz has been fun. You know, I, you know what I like about him is, you know, when he gets the ball, he's just going to try and dunk it every time. If he's mm-hmm. got an open lane, he's not going to try and do some kind of tricky layup. He's going to go in there and dunk it. And uh, if it doesn't happen, he's, he's going down doing it. So I, I'm very excited about him. But that didn't work out so well for uh, a couple of our, our players the other night when they were trying to, to you know, get some big blocks for us, and we lost Gordon and Vucevic against the Raptors the mm-hmm. other night, both with right ankle sprains. Yeah, that's and especially after Vuce goes ahead and has three straight double doubles with a thirty seventeen game um, against that win against the Wizards, which is you know that's that's some it's a huge stat line. And he was thirty. He was like Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Yeah, yeah. He had had three. I mean, he didn't have the best game against the Spurs. He had ten and thirteen, which isn't awful. Still a double double. But you know, he puts up twenty six points against the Seventy Sixers. He puts up thirty points against the Wizards, and he's having himself a a great stretch over a nice long weekend. And 
and gets hurt. I mean, hold, I pray that they're going to get back pretty quickly because we're going to need both of them healthy if we're going to continue to push. Because you know we're sitting right now at uh, six and seven, or or is it seven and eight? I, mean, I think we're seven and eight now. Um, so you know, very close to five hundred. We got some winnable games coming up on our schedule. Um, we're looking at playing uh, the Suns in a, in, a, in a couple days. We got the uh, let's see what else. God. Oh, we got the Pacers, we got the Pistons, Cavaliers, um, you know, Raptors again, unfortunately. But that's a, that's a nice little stretch where we might be able to, of the next four games, you know, go three and one, which puts us back over 500 again, with the Raptors being the biggest. We got the Raptors at home this time, which I think is going to make a big difference because, you know, we, we played them pretty tough at home last year. I went to one of those games where we, you know, handled them pretty well. I was fairly surprised. That was a good stretch where we played them, the Celtics. And uh, it was one other team with a really good superstar, but we won all three games, and I was completely befuddled that yeah. we were able to pull that off. We go on little streaks like that. The Raptors, man, they're tough, though. They play they hard. They they have great Pascal shot makers. Siakam, man, I swear. Yeah. Pascal Siakam, he's so damn good, <laughs> but I hate him. They're, they're, I don't know why I hate him. They play tough, man. So Pascal, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry. Let's be friends. I want to be friends. I want to reach out to him on Twitter and be like, Pascal. Let's just be friends. I'll, I'll be friends with any NBA player, to be honest. <laughs> so, um, well, let's let's go to our UCF Twitter mafia hero of the week. Yes. Uh, so I'm not going to necessarily call it a hero hero of the week. I'm going to go heroes of the week and just refer to a nice little Twitter thread. We got this guy named Travis, uh, former UCF alum coming down. A former UCF. If you're a UCF alum, it doesn't matter if you're former. Former UCF student, now alum. Uh, lives up in Ohio, makes a call out to the UCF Twitter mafia asking for a place to you know to watch the game because he doesn't know where to watch it. He's coming to Orlando specifically. And we had multiple people reach out to him, giving him different places to uh, come watch the game, which is pretty awesome. And he might end up at one of the places I'll be, which is Oviedo Brewing. So um, I'm reaching out to Travis and saying, if you want to have a good time, I, you know that's the spot that everyone likes to preach about. But you got a very famous UCF Twitterite in Libby at, at Libs407, who's a very vocal UCF fan, likes to get in people's grills, likes to have fights specifically with the known uh, Nebraska troll who has the icon of a dog. I can't remember her name. I think it's Laura or something like that. She is a total dumpster fire, though. <laughs> if, if I, There's very few people in person where I'd want to just, just ream them a new butthole in person. She's one of them. But, yeah, Libby going out and giving her some good advice. We got uh, Cindy Calligan, uh, uh, Cal Gallon. Sorry if I mispronounced your name, Sam, but she's given the same thing, you know, good advice to go over there. Um, just multiple people in the UCF committee coming out and just trying to give advice on this guy of where he wants to go and inviting them to join their parties, which is awesome. The fact that you got people that might not even know you on Twitter and say, hey, listen, we're going to be partying over here. You should come join us just because you're a UCF fan. I think that's pretty awesome. So that's my hero moment of, you know, having multiple UCF fans reach out to our own community and try to bring a person in who's coming in from out of town and give them a good time, even though I mean, he is a UCF, but I think it's awesome. That makes me happy. Very so, cool. That's my little. That's my little uh, Twitter mafia heroes of the week of just community coming together and trying to show that it takes a town to raise a child. Well, speaking of towns, we got uh, some big news this week in Orlando. Patrick Williams is uh, unveiling his new idea for Orlando sports. Um, 
the Orlando Dreamers. You, hold on, did you just call him Patrick Williams? Well, Pat Williams. I don't think I've ever heard him referred to as Pat and Patrick in my life. You know, I think I knew his his son in high school, so I think maybe his really? his son's name was Patrick. He's got a lot of adopted. You're kids. A, you're you're a local guy, right? You went to didn't you go to Edgewater? I went to Edgewater High School. Did yeah. Pat Williams did, like son go to Edgewater? Uh, his he had adopted kids, so oh. they uh, they don't look like him, but uh, <laughs> they were his sons. I've been to his house a few times. But oh wow, cool cool dude. People. Cheers to that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> continue, continue. I'm sorry All right. Well, right. anyway, he's he's bringing the next sports uh, sports franchise to Orlando, or trying to anyway. Baseball in Orlando. Oof. Uh, you know, it's a it's a wild idea. We've got basketball going. We've got a pro soccer team. Why not pro baseball? What do you think on that, Buzos? Is that something we can actually do here in Orlando? That's a good question. Um, I like to think that baseball is one of the few sports that it doesn't matter if you're a diehard fan or not, or if you're really a fan of the team that you're watching, it's one of those things that it's like, it's an experience. I would say that there's different ways to rank sports. There's, can you watch the sport on TV? Which I think is completely different than can you go watch the sport live? I hate football live. I'll just say that straight up. I'm, I'm a football coach. I'm a season ticket holder for two football sports teams with UCF and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I hate going to live football games. They're exhausting. They're long. They're hot. There's nothing good about them except for the tailgate before. Right. Period. Right. That's just a fact. I you can get the, you can get a better experience sitting on your couch in the air conditioning yeah. with a beer in your hand, or going to a bar with a beer in your hand and watching it there. By far, football to me is the number one f- sport to watch on TV personally, but the number four sport to watch live. Baseball, in my opinion, is the complete inverse. I cannot watch baseball live unless it's a playoff game, you know, with a team in the hunt. Like, I, I don't pay attention to the Mets until um, after the All-Star break just because they're going to exhaust me. They're going to make me want to rip my face off, and I'd rather save that for a couple months instead of, you know, the entire year. So I have that. With that said, going to a baseball ballpark, if you've never done it, I don't know if you've ever been to a baseball game. Just once. Just once. There, If you can go to a good ballpark, you know, City Field has some great, uh, great reviews. I've never been myself. I really want to go as a Mets fan. I haven't had the opportunity, but I, I remember going to Shea, uh, Shea Stadium and amazing. Just, just the atmosphere you get going to a, going to a field like that. Um, the Rays have a horrible, horrible baseball park in the Trop, but it's still baseball. It's a great experience to go. You have a beer in your hand. You have a hot dog in the other, and you just relax. It's not hectic. It's not balls hot the entire time it's just a good time tickets are relatively cheap depending on what venue you're going to and what games you're playing because there's so many you have 160 plus baseball games going throughout the year they don't jack them up like football where you get nosebleeds and it still costs you you know 75 bucks so it's 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 a relatively cheap experience that people from around the country can do when they come to orlando you know they they're going to plan a whole week trip you go to Disney for a couple of days. Maybe you check out Universal. You got SeaWorld. You can go down I Drive. Go see you know the you know, the Madame Tussauds Wax Museum, the Orlando Eye. You can go see an Orlando City match game. You don't have to be invested in Orlando City. I'm not a I'm not a soccer fan, but it was still a great time to go to a game and just watch and just watch the pitch. So you got that. Why not baseball too? Where you can go over, you can relax for a few hours one day because we're, we're not next to the beach. You got to go 30 minutes one way, an hour the other if you want to go to a beach. So it's a good experience that if you want to stay inland. I think there's enough there where people can enjoy that experience without necessarily being invested in the team. Now, can we get the Orlando City behind it? That's a whole other thing because, you know, some people are talking about um, 
the Rays and how the Rays are currently like, you know, very, they're struggling, they're, they might not be viable. I think that's completely based on their stadium placement. St. Pete is not an easy place to go, and it's not an easy place to get out of. And I think that has a huge impact on that team. And they rejected doing a, sta- a ballpark in Ebor, which I think was killer, because it, that, that way they would be the actual Tampa Bay Rays and not the St. Petersburg Rays, which they currently are, and they don't want to call them that. So I think that that's a different experience, and I think it's really hard you know, to, to judge Tampa on that because I think it's all placement on their, you know, where their ballpark is. And I think in Miami you have the issue where it's Miami. You know, <laughs> who wants to go watch baseball or football in Miami? When I go to Miami, you know, I'm thinking about going to the beach and going to clubs and cocaine. I'm not thinking about. <laughs> wow. I'm not thinking about baseball, let alone mediocre baseball. Shari San, Sean Sonnenberg and all my friends that are Marlins fans, I hate them. They suck. With that said, you know, Miami is a completely different experience. You don't go there for pro sports. You know, you have to be you have to be someone that lives in Miami your entire life and grows up and and and, and has to remember those undefeated Dolphins teams to want to get up and watch the Dolphins that are playing today. So I think that that's just my opinion. I think that's why those teams struggle because a lot of people say if your team is not doing good in Florida, it's really hard to be a fan because there's so many other things you can do than go to one of those arenas or stadiums and watch a crappy team. You can go to the beach or any of the many theme parks you got around the state. So that's just my opinion on it being viable. I think Orlando has the ability to do that. Kind of like how um, Las Vegas is going to be for the Raiders in a couple years. You know what I mean? Like there's not... The Raider Nation is across the nation, so they have that going for them. I'm sure there's some, there's some, you know, Las Vegas people who are big Raiders fans, and that's going to pay off quite a bit for them when they're out there. But people are going to go visit the Raiders, and why not throw a couple bucks on some games, and then go to a beautiful new stadium to watch that football game. I think that's how the Raiders are going to be more viable than they currently are in Oakland. That's my opinion. Well, they've embraced the the Golden Knights hockey team out there. Yes, they have. And I'm so happy for that. My buddy Tom Waller is a big is a big Golden Knights fan out there for the hockey team. He talks about them a lot. He's real excited about the Raiders coming out there. So I think you're right there. I'm going to have to trust you on the baseball game experience. I've only been to one, and it was a Tampa Bay Rays game. They played Boston. I wasn't really interested in it because I didn't follow either of the teams. Um, but I, I can definitely see what you're saying about uh, going to the game rather than watching on TV because it is uh, very hard to watch baseball for me on TV. Um, the other part of the whole deal is, you know, he didn't just say that he wants to get baseball in Orlando. He, he pitched an idea. So his idea and his logo was the Orlando Dreamers. Oh. And uh, I, I think you share the same sentiment as me is the logo is God awful and the name isn't any better. No, I mean, we've we've got the magic. I think we've done as much as we can to kind of tie our city to Disney. Dreamers sounds effeminate to me, for one. But (laughs) for another, I mean, for all those for all those feminists, there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) But I wouldn't imagine if I'm an opposing team coming to play another team that the dreamers would strike fear into me. Yeah, I'm just I'm not into that. That sounds to me to me. The dreamers sound like a. Like a, you know, like a single A ball name, right? Like, like I mean, I love. I think the Jumbo Shrimp is one of the best names in baseball. And we can go on and on. We can do a whole a whole yeah. episode on how amazing minor league team names oh, yeah. are. But I would take the Lug Nuts or the freaking Banana Slugs. I've got the or, Savannah Bananas t- oh, like T shirt at my house. The I, Biscuits. <laughs> I mean, there's so many great ball club names that I would take over the Dreamers. Right. And you cannot convince me, even though we're in Orlando, that that's a good idea. 
period. And their logo looks like a clip art thing that was put together. It was like, hey, this is going to be a baseball team. Can you do as much as you can to make this look like a baseball team? They got like two bats. They got a ball. They got, you know, a diamond shape on there. It's like, you know, less is more. And and then the colors. I'm not a fan of the red, white, and blue for Orlando either. I think we need to be, I, I would like a an orange theme team with, uh, you know, maybe orange and yellow kind of shows the the area and the sunshine state being Florida. Um, I mentioned this earlier on Twitter is if it was the Rays that actually moved to Florida, I think we would really embrace that, uh, you know, keep the name the Rays and really embrace the sun rays and and kind of follow that color scheme. That would be my idea for a uh, for a baseball team logo. But you know, if if we get a team, I'm definitely going to the games. If they're called the Dreamers, I'm not going to the games. So that's yeah. that's uh, Pat, Pat Williams sat on his gateway with Windows 95 and had Clippy, the little paperclip yeah. icon from Microsoft Word, assist him in creating that logo. That's exactly how that went down. So I guarantee, step by step, Pat Williams, if you hear this, please let me know if that's how you did it. I want to because. I will say for for word clip art editing, it's pretty solid. Did a nice job. He did a nice job, but he used paint. Pay a graphic designer to do the logo. It's just it's not a good logo. Can you do one? I, w- I want to see. Actually, we're gonna put. I want, I'm gonna put this challenge to you. Within the next two weeks, I would love to see what you could do because you did a great job on our logo. I love. I love our you know night 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 dender. Our, our bender. Yeah. Our benight. Our yeah. Bender night. Yeah. Nightbender, however you want to call it. I'm not a uh, I'm not a logo artist. I just kind of manipulated some stuff, but I I could probably crank out something that would be a little more appealing than what we have. But I guarantee I, it. I, I have complete faith. Pay in Pay somebody who does it for a living. Let's get them to do it. Um, so that's it. Baseball in Orlando. We'll see if it happens. Hopefully, you know, we get the team, but not the logo and the name. Yeah. Um, Boozos, I know you just got back from New York and want to do a little. Men About Town, New New York edition. Yes, I do, actually. Not just New York edition. I got a couple other things. Um, But, you know, if we're going to do a little bit of of talking about some food, I just want to do a quick shout-out on two of of the better pizzas I've had in my life, which, obviously, when you go to New York, you expect to have phenomenal pizza. That's just expected. But with that said, I got to go to a legendary staple um, in DeFaris Pizza located in Brooklyn, which has been uh, actively open for, I believe, over 50 years now, uh, which old man Dom DeFara had made almost all of the pizzas himself by hand for over 40 years. Really? 11 hours a day, every day, for 40-plus years. We did not get to see the man. He's in his 80s now, unfortunately, has retired from pizza making. He's reserves himself to occasionally coming into the store, and he just sits in the back and drinks some wine. So we did not get a chance to actually see him, but um, myself, our buddy Steve, who was on the show with us last week, and a friend who's also a former UCF guy, you know, a former wrestler that you know, Jake Powell, uh, who's Steve's roommate, we took the pilgrimage in um on the subways, made our way down to Brooklyn, and went to DeFara's. And I rated DeFara's myself. I will say, I, th- I think I built it up a little bit in my brain. Um, I give it a 4.5 out of 5 in terms of New York pizza. I think it was it was not perfect. Uh, it was a little more grease than I expected. You know, when they made the pizza, what they do is they do like a lot of hand-cut basil. It's pretty wonderful. They just sprinkle it on there, cook it in. Um, and they added some olive oil around the crust on the outer edge, like circling in like in a little... Uh, you know, kind of like a spiral down to the middle, but unfortunately, that oil like pulled up in the middle, kind of made the my favorite my favorite bite of the pizza is the tip. 
when you get that thing going, you get oh. the half fold and you get that tip in your mouth, you get that first really good bite. That's that's my personal favorite bite of a can slice of pizza. we edit some of that uh, sound oh. clip there and use it for, for later? You can use it whatever you want. I don't care. That's fine with me. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that incriminating Just stuff. Just the tip for Boudreaux. Just the tip is my favorite and uh, a little way too much oil. Jake had an ingenious thing where, where he flipped the tip into the middle and was able to oh, fold yeah. and get a really good double bite. I know that move. And I, I, I do that. I, I, I trust you. You're an innovative person, so hey, I can see you doing that. Floppy pizza, I mean, it's delicious, but it's too hard to kind of... It can of be hard to ma- manipulate. Drip it over your head. Um, we went to another great place off Prince Street in, uh, in the Lower East Side um, that I'd never heard of before, a little bit of a newer joint, and had a phenomenal slice of Sicilian style with like the, like the big fat like pepperonis that kind of like curl up when you cook it. Um, and I gave it a five out of five. That what, was What was that place? It's called Prince Street Pizza. Okay. It was... Five out of five. Five out of five. It was the best Sicilian slice I ever had. The sauce was not too sweet, had just the right amount of spice when you bit in. The pepperoni had the right amount of spice to it. The cheese was perfectly uh, melted. The crust had perfect crispiness. It was like not overly chewy, but had a good crunch to it. It was awesome. That was the best Sicilian slice I had. So a huge shout out to Jake Powell, who dragged us all the way across town. Like we, We went over multiple avenues went way too far and had to backtrack a bit to go back to this place but it was definitely worth the walk um just because the pizza was so good and so that, that's my little new york clip but uh then going to um two really good locations that are here local that i think everyone needs to go try and one because they've had a, a nice little tie with ucf recently and that's sidewards brewing um a really good brewery located off robinson you know heading downtown and they're they're did, directly connected to another place called Stasio's, which is an Italian like deli. Okay. And so talk about sidewards. They put out a couple of weeks ago, um, a citronaut beer, nice light beer. I, th- I believe it's an ale has a little bit of hoppiness to it, but it was amazing. Great beer. And they, they sold out like, like for the first couple games that they were doing it, they sold out by the case. Like you could not get your hands on it. And it was still a really good beer. Um, they actually just recently did a t-shirt, which if you haven't seen, go to their Instagram page. Their logo is like this little skeleton drinking a beer. And so they tied him into the Citronaut. And now they take like the skeleton head, put it in place of the Citronaut head. He's sitting there chilling, drinking a beer. It looks awesome. So the fact that they're doing a lot of UCF incorporations is really cool that they're trying to make themselves truly like the Orlando Brewery, which I can appreciate, especially since they've only been around for like a year. And then Stasio's great food place amazing subs. I mean, I mean, everything's amazing. You can go on there, you can get yourself some pastrami, you can get yourself any kind of meat and cheese that you want that's Italian style. But they have a really good meatball sub, they have a really good pastrami sandwich. Highly recommend you take take the time to get out there. It's It closes fairly early. I believe like on the weekends it closes at 5, and then most of the time during the week it closes around 7. So my wife and I tried to go out there not that long ago, and unfortunately we missed out because they were closed a little bit earlier than we expected. Um, but phenomenal food, phenomenal beer right next door. You can get a sub and bring it over to the brewery and sit down and have a good beer. So if you get the chance, take the time to make your way over there, um, have yourself a really good sandwich, have yourself a really good beer, and enjoy yourself some Orlando experience. That's my personal uh, selection for the men about town of this this segment. Very nice. Yeah. And that, that shirt and sounds I, like a... Uh... A collector's item. There. I, I know. My wife's. The moment I showed her that, she immediately started googling and searching for how she can get her hands on that shirt. So we couldn't find anything online. I think it's something you have to go get in person. So we're probably going to make our way over there sometime in the next few days and try to get a couple shirts. Uh, but a really cool item if you're a UCF fan. You might want to go grab yourself it before. Unfortunately, it's gone. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, well, you got limited time to do that, and uh, you know we've come to part of the end of our show here. We're going to actually. 
uh, click over to an interview that Boozos did with uh, our man, former quarterback Stephen Moffat. So we're gonna play that interview here, and, and Boozos, you, you know, it, I I got this. I can take it from here. All right, you got it. All right, so we've got. Stephen Moffitt, former UCF quarterback here on the line to talk to us, a product of Orlando, played for Winter Park High School, was a starting quarterback at UCF for a few years back in the early 2000s. Uh, how you doing, Moffman? What you got going on? I'm good, man. Good. You made me feel kind of old when you said early 2000s. I forget how old I am. Yeah, you're getting real old. You're you're a borderline, you know, the crypt keeper these days. So, uh, I mean, you've never really left a uh, Orlando, I know when you uh, started your new career working in roofing and whatnot, you said you moved up to uh, Jersey, New York area to work some storms up there. But, you know, you've been back here for most of your adult life. What you been up to the last few years since you, you know, walked away from football? Um, yeah, you know, like we talked before with the roofing thing, I came back from um, out in the Jersey area and kind of started doing my own roofing thing here and you know, went back to coach at Winter Park and had a little stop at Lyman, coached there for a year and a half, helping out over there. Then I went back to Winter Park, and I've been at Winter Park now, like, the last, what, like, three, four years, been back at Winter Park and coaching high school football out there, trying to enhance and enrich the youth of America. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, I went on a cool trip. You mentioned it earlier when we were talking off uh, off the mic. You know, we did a really cool program um over the summer, we took a bunch of high school kids and brought them to different colleges. You want to talk a little bit about that, you know, that whole experience and, you know, what you're trying to do with that nonprofit? Yeah, yeah, I got a little nonprofit I started. Um, we just kind of take kids um, to a bunch of different schools and just try to show them something different every year, take them out for about a week and um, show them that there's more than, uh, you know, Florida, Florida State, UCF, you know, in the world and, and just kind of trying to get them a different experience with colleges because, you know, a lot of kids around here think that if they're not going to Florida or Florida State, Alabama or Clemson, that there's no other school for them to go to. So, you know, we kind of mix it in and go to, you know, some, some of the more academic type schools or some of the smaller colleges and stuff like that and try to give the kids as many options as they can. Because at the end of the day, when we're coaching, you know, any kid that need to play college football, you want to try to help them and kind of show them that, you know, try to show them other things other than just, everything out here in Florida. Hell yeah. Man, it was a great time. We went to a bunch of really cool schools. Uh, we mentioned Tulane, Southern yeah. Alabama, LSU, um, a bunch of small, you know, division one double A schools. So, I mean, it was a great time and I think the kids yeah. really had a great time. So it's a, it's a good thing yeah, that you're was, doing. Was, I mean, there's nobody else that's really doing anything like that in the area. Yeah. I mean, once you spend a week with the kids, you see why nobody else wants to do it. There's a pain. They're terrible. But, you know, they're, they're fun to be around, but, you know, at the end of the day, they're kids, and they're going to wear you out, and they're going to push you a little bit. So um, it's a good experience. We'll keep doing it as long as the kids want to do it. So um, are you going to help me this year, or are you going you gonna to bail out on me? No, I'm, I'm going to be helping you. As, as long as you'll have me, I'll be happy to help you. Perfect. Perfect. All right. We might do it even. We might do it even more kids this year. Hell yeah, that'll be a good time. I mean, the schools were awesome. And for for those of you listening, I mean, some of these schools, they're exactly what you'd think they'd be. Walking into an Alabama, LSU, you know, Clemson, Tennessee, those facilities are are better than most professional sports teams' facilities. So it's out of this world. Yeah. It's definitely something. If you ever get the opportunity, you got to go check out. Um, so yeah, once we, you once you go to that, you'll definitely see why they should figure out how to give these kids some money. Some yeah, 
which we talked about last week. We talked about how you know NCAA has to make that rule change, or they're at least in the process of making that rule change in the next couple of years to you know give uh, the kids money for um, actually fair play. Which you know, I, I know you got a little bit of a check when that whole uh, O'Bannon Act was put in and against uh, EA Sports for using likeness and because uh, you were in oh, a couple yeah, NCAA yeah. I games. Like, I yeah, I got like thirty eight hundred dollars. I was like, "Oh, this is great!" <laughs> a nice little surprise. Um, yeah. So you know, UCF, we had a, you know we we had a little bit of a change. Our, our the quarterback goes down last year. You know, hurts his knee pretty bad. Possible career uh, career ending injury, and we have a true freshman that steps up this year and starts talking, which is uh, starts playing. Which you know, you, you had the opportunity to do the same. You know, your freshman year, you redshirted. You had a a possible NCAA record-breaking quarterback and Ryan Schneider ahead of you as a senior who gets into trouble um, academically and is sat for the rest of the year and you have to break your red shirt to play quarterback. You know, what was it like for you as a, you know, first year college football player who doesn't think he's going to play at all as a freshman to be thrust into a starting role like that? Um, I mean, it was, it was tough. Um, it was, it was, a, it was a obviously not the ideal situation. Um, you know, I was asked to do it. And honestly, if I had to look back on it now, I don't know if I would have made the same decision to play. Um, it's just a lot different going from, you know, being a high school football player to, you know, playing in college. It's, it's a lot more detailed. And, you know, I went into something thinking it was going to be one thing. And it, it was just a lot harder than I thought it was going to be just from, you know, being able to just run away from people and be the most athletic guy in high school. These guys were just fast and, you know, it definitely took some time to get used to, but um, you know, nowadays with the, when kids you know go to play, I think the one difference is, and you know, we spoke about it earlier. I think the biggest difference nowadays and why you see so many kids playing early is because you know, back when I was in high school, everybody was still kind of running the eye formation and you know, doing things like that in um, high school, where as in college, teams were kind of starting to use the spread concepts and using more of these concepts. So a lot of times you would get a high school kid going to college and it would be entirely different concepts. And the learning curve was just, it was, it was a lot more difficult. Whereas now, you know, a lot of the high school teams are running the same similar, you know, concepts that the colleges are. That's why you see so many more freshmen able to come and make an impact in college now, because the, the concepts are, are, you know, a lot more similar. Whereas, you know, 15 years ago when I played, it was, apples to oranges it was it was nowhere it wasn't the same thing so um i think that's why you're seeing so many kids being able to at least go out there and look functional when they're out there as a true freshman awesome uh so another thing that kind of you had to go through that's not that different from what some of these players on this current ucf team went through uh you have mike kruzchik who's your head coach and recruits you to play for ucf when you're over at winter park and have offers at you know southern myths and other schools you can leave for uh legend at ucf was the offensive coordinator for years with when they had dante culpepper in the 90s um takes over that program and you know obviously everything happens with schneider they don't have a great year and at the end of your freshman year they fire him and you have a new coach come in and george o'leary who obviously completely different coaching style completely different offense and mentality you know what's it like as a college football player to be put in that scenario where you have a coaching change because we got a UCF team here you know a lot of those kids are recruited by Scott Frost they come in um, and Heupel comes in after Frost leaves for Nebraska and a lot of fans are calling for unfortunately you know making rational 
irrational calls for their head, if, if anything. And, you know, that's, you know, the vocal minority, but, you know, some people obviously aren't happy with him as a coach. So, you know, if we were to have a coaching change, oh. that would be something different. But what do you think about that? Like, what was that your experience with uh, having to go through something like that? Uh, my experience with that, it was funny because when, when Cruz got fired, I was distraught. Like, I was sad. I was, I was tearing up. I didn't, I didn't know how to react. And a lot of the older guys were kind of just like, yeah, man, you got to calm down. You know, it's the business. And, you know, I think it all depends on, you know, if it's upperclassmen or underclassmen. A lot of those underclassmen guys are going to probably react just like me because they were recruited by these guys. And a lot of the older guys are going to understand, like, hey, man, look, this is the business. You know, this stuff happened and that stuff happened. And at the end of the day, you know, they're going to move forward and do what's best for what they what they think is best for the program. And, you know, we just kind of got to deal with it. So, um, the experience for me personally, it was tough because, you know, all of those guys recruited me and they brought me in and six months later, eight months later, they're all out of there. So like, I'm kind of confused and I don't know what to do. Whereas a lot of those older guys got recruited by the same guys, but you know, they started understanding the business aspect of it and you know, all of that. I was still in my honeymoon phase where the coaches were still being nice to me and telling me how great I was going to be and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I was, I was honestly, I was shook. I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect with, um, with what was going to happen with the coaching change and all that kind of stuff. So, what do you think of Heupel and you know, and the staff and the team they got uh, out there right now? I mean, have you had an opportunity to watch them at all? You're a busy man. You got a lot of coaching during the fall. I know how hard that is to keep up with college football. With, you know, yeah, I mean, I watch and I have my opinions on it and on what I think that they're doing. You know incorrectly but i'm not gonna get into it but um you know i think they're doing it i think they're doing a decent job i definitely think they could do better i mean i definitely think that a lot of the ucf fans are getting spoiled with the last few years and what's been happening isn't realistic it's kind of like we're operating like we're like alabama you know you lose one or two games and it's like the sky's falling i mean shit you go 10 and 2 9 and 3 that's great you go to a bowl game that's you know a, a good solid bowl game that's great you're not going to always have the best year sometimes it's going to be lean years you know no matter what program you're at no matter you know what's going to happen Alabama's going to lose a couple games this year and a few years from now Clemson's going to lose a couple games it's just the way it is and um you know it's going to be you know we're going to see what what happens with Hypo and how how he pulls through it but I mean, for them to have a freshman quarterback and, and doing what they're doing, I think they're doing pretty good. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, the quarterback, he's a freshman and he's limited. And, you know, at the beginning of the season when they were doing things that, you know, he was good at, it was fine. And now as the season goes on, defenses start looking at what the kids' weaknesses are. And he's just not at the point right now where he can, you know, compensate or fix anything because he's a freshman and he hasn't had an off season to kind of, you know, work out the kinks with his weaknesses so you know the offense lags a little bit and they stall a little bit just because the defenses are are you know putting him in a situation to do things that he's not good at so that's just kind of where they are right now gotcha so we'll start wrapping this up i know you're a busy man you got to get back to your day but uh and for you what what would you say is your favorite ucf memory as a football player I mean, my favorite memory was when we, you know, broke the losing streak against Marshall. That was fun. And then that whole season was fun. And, you know, winning our side of the conference was fun. And But 
If it was just one, it would definitely be the, the win against Marshall. Awesome. All right. Well, I mean, uh, I'll end it on this note. Uh, 60% completion sec, uh, percentage, almost 6,200 yards, 41 touchdowns, 26 interceptions, rated at almost 130 uh, QB rating. I mean, great stats. You're still in the top eight of most UCF statistics when it comes to passing. So, you know, a local little legend from Winter Park comes to UCF, leaves his mark. So uh, thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. Hope to see you soon. And thanks for your time, buddy. Am I gonna be? Are you gonna? Are you gonna let me be a multiple guest on your show? That's the real question. Absolutely, you can come on whenever you want. I, I want you to come over and actually have a beer in person with us. We'll make you actually an old-fashioned. You're a whiskey guy, so we can sit around, shoot the stuff, have our round table. So whenever you get freed up and you want to come on, you're always welcome to come on. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll definitely do it. Like I just been busy with my kids. She's starting to do tennis now, and I'm trying to be rich here in about like you know four. You know what? Like, she's four. Yeah, so in like ten years, I'm trying to be rich if I can get on this tennis thing. So, you know, all you guys got to understand what I'm what I'm doing here. All right, we got little Moff. It's going to be the next Williams. Oh yeah, yeah, she's an animal. All right, Moff, we appreciate your time. Thanks, buddy. All right, but I'll talk to you later. All right, so huge shout-out to Stephen Moffitt, who took the time to actually do that with us. I actually had to borderline threaten him with a tire iron, like mafia style, because the men kept ducking me. He's a busy guy. We actually worked together. All three of us worked together at the same company, which is pretty cool. Carol Bradford Roofing, if, shout-out for <laughs> CB Nation. If you need your roof done, you can hit up either of us or any of us, and we will happily come out and do your roof. So a little, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a shameless plug in there for our business, that's for sure. Well, thank you again for joining us for Three Night Bender. This is our fifth episode. Uh, really excited to be doing this. If you aren't following us on Twitter, we do have our Three Night Bender Twitter that you can follow. Um, also, we have our personal Twitters if you'd yeah, like to follow at us. At Coach well. Boozos. And, uh, and mine is, uh, God, what is mine? HauserTube, I think. At HauserTube. At yeah. HauserTube. And Three Night Bender is pretty self explanatory. It's at three night bender well that, those are the twitter handles so um we look forward to doing another show next week and hopefully we've got a win under our belt in ucf football and and basketball and hopefully the magic are on track Oof, um here's to hoping we we hope to talk to you next tuesday so thanks for joining us here on three night bender